Well, again, I'll say happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Um, you know, during these kinds of holidays, I genuinely like to watch the Peanuts movies. Like, uh, they have a good one for Christmas, there's one for Halloween, Valentine's Day, and there is one for Thanksgiving. I like it because I really like the Christmas one, Charlie Brown, a Charlie Brown Christmas, where Charlie Brown famously goes around trying to search for the true meaning of Christmas, and then Linus finally comes in at the end and answers the question by reciting the Gospel of Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. So I was hoping to watch Charlie Brown Thanksgiving uh, this week to help me with the sermon, to provide me with some further wisdom in search of the true meaning of Thanksgiving. Um, the problem is we never got around to watching the show uh, because we're too busy. We were spending time with family, spending time getting ready for Thanksgiving meals, getting ready for church this morning. So I don't know what uh, Charlie Brown or Linus have to say. So. I have to wing it. This is this is my take on it. So as far as I can tell, uh, today we we're here to remember God's provision, how He has provided for us in each of our daily lives, as well as how He has provided for us together as a church. And we are here to give thanks for this. We also give thanks. Remembering that God's faithfulness and steadfast love does endure forever. This means we can always trust that he will continue to provide for us just as he always has. So in this way, we see that gratitude goes hand in hand with remembering. Not remembering, forgetting about, or even just taking for granted what God has done for us, the ways he has provided for us and blessed us, is then also an act of a lack of gratitude, a lack of ingratitude. So we need to remember what to be thankful for, and we need to remember to be thankful for it. That's why I think Thanksgiving weekend is all about. As we've been journeying together through the Ten Commandments, we've seen God's regular reminder to his people to remember what he's done for them. God began delivering the Ten Commandments with the reminder that he was speaking to his people because of what he had done for them, freeing them from slavery in Egypt, and because of his already existing relationship with them, because he loved them, and that they were to respond with gratitude by loving him back, by having no other gods before him, not creating other images to worship, and not taking his holy and sacred name, the name he'd chosen to reveal to them, in vain, not misusing it or emptying it of its meaning, and instead bearing it, representing the name of God as was their calling, their vocation. Today, we come to the fourth commandment, and it's in the same setting, God leading his people out of slavery in Egypt, that provides the backdrop for this command as well. Now, most of the commandments we've observed up to this point are negative, shall we say. Not, not bad, but thou shall not do this. God is saying, I am not like this. But this, the fourth, and then the fifth after it, are the, the only two positive commandments. Thou shall do this. God is saying, I am. 
Israel lived, as we said, as slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. They'd been forced into hard physical labor. They had had no rest. So God commanded his people to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remembering in the Bible goes hand in hand with gratitude, but it also goes hand in hand with action. God remembered Israel in their slavery and acted. He freed them. Now it was calling Israel to remember the Sabbath and act by keeping it holy. In the book of Deuteronomy, the Ten Commandments are repeated. And in this version, the fourth commandment is presented as observe or keep or guard the Sabbath. So to remember the Sabbath means to take action. And in this case, the action is to observe or keep or guard it by keeping it holy. But what is the Sabbath and what does it mean to keep it holy? In this commandment, God goes on to explain that the Sabbath is one day every week. God says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, or your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. So we see that work is good. It is a God-ordained activity or which we were created, to which we were appointed at the very beginning, as we read in Genesis 1, 28, when God blessed humanity and instructed them to fill, subdue, rule the earth, and, as we read in Genesis 2, 15, to keep and serve and work and labor in the garden. The Bible tells us this, this kind of customary labor, our daily work, our daily occupation is intended to be a good thing, a blessing, a gift from God. That it provides for us, it provides us with our daily needs, our survival, as well as provides us with a sense of satisfaction. And it also helps us to serve others, to serve, contribute something to our community. That's why God has given each one of us gifts and skills that we try to use towards our occupation, this God-given task. Work is good, but so is rest. And God explains this by remembering his actions in the creation of the world, saying, Four and six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. The original importance and beauty of work is demonstrated by the fact that God was the first, the ultimate worker in his creation of the world. It also demonstrates that work is not just for the sake of the worker in its perfect state, it is for the sake of the others, for the sake of the world. God was the ultimate worker for six days, but he rested on the seventh day. As Genesis 2, 2-3 reports, On the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it God rested 
from all his work that he had done in creation. God's blessing of the seventh Sabbath day didn't happen when he gave the Ten Commandments. It happened right from the very beginning. God ceased his creative activity, abstained from his work, stopped his work. He rested from his work on the seventh day. And therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And therefore, he expects that his people will also stop, cease, abstain from their work, from all their activities on that day every week. Rest. Sabbath is given to us from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means rest. We're asked to keep it holy. Holy means set apart for God's purposes. So keeping the Sabbath holy means observing it from abstaining from work and instead setting apart for rest for God's purposes, for worship. In our reading this morning, God's explanation for the importance of observing the Sabbath is rooted in creation. As we've mentioned, there's a repetition of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy. We read in Deuteronomy 5, the explanation for the importance of the Sabbath. Sabbath is given as, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, as we sang this morning. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So here we see the importance of observing the Sabbath is rooted in creation as well as in God's rescue and redemption. As we said, for over 400 years in Egypt, Israel had no rest. They lived as slaves. Now they were free to enter into rest by both taking a day off from work, a day of rest, observing the Sabbath, but also, because of that, by trusting in God, remembering that he was their provider, that they didn't need to work themselves to the bone anymore. Because he was the one who had provided and would provide. So they're instructed to set apart on day and week for God's purposes, for rest and worship, in remembrance that God had freed them from slavery, and that though work is good, God rested from his work of creation. In remembrance and gratitude for this joyful balance, rhythm that God intended for their lives, their work, and their worship. Remembering the Sabbath points backwards as we remember God's provision. But it also points forwards, as we remember his promise to provide. By Jesus' time, devout Jews were definitely still observing the Sabbath. However, we discover that the Pharisees seem to have forgotten that the Sabbath is rooted in creation and rescue, redemption, trusting in God's provision. And instead, it becomes so legalistic, so focused on the letter of the law rather than the heart of the law on making sure the rules were followed rather than that what the rules hopes to achieve was being achieved. But they were guarding the day to such a degree that abstaining from work had become more work than restful. It had become a difficult thing that was expected to do. And that was uh, 
they saw their worship. We are told that Jesus also definitely remembered and observed the Sabbath. In the Gospel according to Luke chapter 4, we're told Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, as he did regularly, as he always did, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, just as he did every week, just as God commanded. But we also see Jesus constantly almost ignoring the Pharisees' intense instructions for how to observe the Sabbath. They felt you had to do absolutely nothing, and as we said, this was very difficult. It's very difficult to do nothing. Instead, Jesus continues to show love, to show mercy, to heal those in need, as we heard in our Gospel reading today. And when confronted about this, Jesus doesn't challenge the Sabbath law, but rather the Pharisees' interpretation of it. He shares that it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he uses the example that the priests continue to work, work in the temple on the Sabbath, and they're not considered to be breaking the law. He then goes on to explain that God desires mercy and not sacrifice. Which we can wonder, what does that mean? But it's a quotation from the prophet Hosea. And in this prophecy, Hosea is using the word sacrifice to summarize the observance of all kinds of these religious rituals. But the people are reminded that what's meant behind these things, mercy, faithfulness, steadfast love, is far more important to God than the rituals themselves. Jesus then concludes his argument with the Pharisees by stating, the Son of Man, the Messiah, is Lord of the Sabbath. That because of who he is, he claims the authority to interpret, to explain the meaning behind the law. And that in this case, the Sabbath is meant to bring rest and well-being, rather than be a chore, a sacrifice. The Pharisees went out and conspired against him, how to destroy him. Not because Jesus was disagreeing with them, not because he bested them in an argument, but because they understood who he was claiming to be, but didn't believe. Because in this conversation with the Pharisees about the Sabbath, Jesus was revealing that he had come to bring something greater than the temple. Something greater than what the rituals and sacrifices and observances of Sabbath worship that God had ordained were offering. Jesus had come to bring rest. Rest from the impossible task of trying to earn salvation through these rituals, sacrifices, and observances, through works. And in this way, the Sabbath points to Jesus, to the Gospel. He is Lord of the Sabbath. Observing the Sabbath is rooted in creation, in the world as God intended before our fall into sin. And it's also rooted in rescuing redemption of the world from this fall into sin. And the climax of God's work of rescuing redemption is accomplished through Jesus, through his death on the cross on our behalf and resurrection. 
And because of what Jesus has done, we can now all look forward to ultimate rest that we will enjoy after death forever with Jesus in the kingdom of God. And that is why we got together this week, Wednesday, to celebrate the rest that Benny Proud has entered. That is why we celebrate that Ron Bradley now is resting with Jesus. So because Jesus accomplished all this for us when he rose from the grave on Sunday, the earliest Christians came to observe Sunday, the first day of the week, as the Lord's Day. And that shifted our Sabbath day from Saturday to Sunday as our primary day of worship for remembering Jesus' death and resurrection, for celebrating our salvation as a work of God's mercy, not human sacrifice, not human effort, and looking forward to the promise of rest in eternal life with God. So for us today to keep the Sabbath holy, continues to mean to set it apart for God's purposes, to remember all this and rest. But because of our shared fallen condition, our shared sinfulness, even though our work has in many cases become hard, bitter labor, painful toil, a struggle, and misery, we know the Israelites experienced this profoundly through their slavery, even though work is difficult, we also now have a tendency to forget the Sabbath, to ignore it. Because very often we find our identity and our value in our work, what we do rather than in God. And for this reason, last week we talked about how when we meet somebody, you know, we, our identity is in our names, introduce ourselves with our name, but very often what follows is the question, and what do you do? What's your occupation? Daryl Johnson suggests one of the clearest indications of what we value is how we spend our time. How we spend our time is an even clearer indication of who our true God is and the way we spend our money. And this is why we often see a mindset that works without rest. Because we believe that our work gives us value. Because we value what work gives us. Because we place our trust in our work to provide the things we value. But again, as Daryl Johnson also suggests, this is why in the fourth commandment, God sets us free from one of the biggest obstacles to our relationship with him. What he calls rat race-ness. So we should not forget the Sabbath. It is a gift. It is freedom from slavery to this rat race, in which so many of us can find ourselves. The Sabbath is a gift, not a chore. As the Anglican Catechism explains, the Sabbath teaches us about our use of our time. So through remembering, keeping, guarding, an ordered life of routine, weekly worship, rest throughout the year, we learn that time belongs to God. The time we spend with him on Sunday is not time we're giving to him. Time belongs to God. He's given us our time. All things come from him and of his own do we give him. 
Our work is a gift from God that can grant us provision and satisfaction and serve the common good, but it doesn't define our lives. It shouldn't rule over them. So our God who creates, who cares, who rescues, who provides, puts a limit on our work and aims that our work lead us towards relationship with him and with one another and with the world. And this limit on our work, this rest, also helps keep our identity rooted in our relationship with God rather than with our Lord. As we gather to recalibrate every week. As Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus taught us to remember, keep, observe, guard the Sabbath, not as a duty, not as a chore, not as a sacrifice, not when it's convenient, or when we don't have anything else more important to do. But as a commandment that is a gift from God, for which we can be thankful. And this being thankful is a choice. It's a choice to remember what God has done for us, and a choice to be grateful for it. Just as rest is a choice, though it's a commandment, from God, our Father in Heaven, who knows what's best for us, we have to choose to obey it. So we can remember also to choose, to desire and obey the fourth commandment, to remember the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath, to guard the Sabbath, to make a commitment to keep the Sabbath by keeping it holy, by ceasing, stopping from all unnecessary work, all activities, all the busyness that we all have in our lives for rest, physical rest, mental rest, spiritual rest, setting apart time, the first thing we do every week, join with our families, with our church, to remember with gratitude and celebrate what God has done for us in worship, in fellowship, works of love for one another and those around us. This weekly escape from the rat raciness of life helps us grow in our relationship with God because we are keeping one day a week for rest and worship in which we seek to be with God. So that as the Catechism puts it, our trust, our faith in God our Creator is strengthened. Our hope in God our Provider is renewed. And our love for God our Redeemer is deepened. So let's make a commitment to always remember this. Give thanks for it. Now let's pray. This is a prayer of thanksgiving. Oh Lord, we pray that you would accept our thanks and praise for all that you've done for us. We do thank you for the splendor of all of creation, for the beauty of this world, the wonder of life. We thank you for the blessing of family and friends, for the loving care that surrounds us. We thank you for setting us at tasks. Work demands our best efforts for leading us into accomplishments that satisfy and delight us. We also thank you for those disappointments and failures 
It helps to lead us to acknowledge that we depend on you. So we also thank you for the balance you have intended and provided and demanded for our lives. Setting apart a day of rest and keeping it holy. But above all, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. The truth of his word, the example of his life, for his steadfast obedience by which he overcame temptation and sin. For his dying, through which he conquered death. For his rising to life again, in which we are raised to life. Life of rest in your kingdom. Grant us the gift of your spirit that we may know Christ and make him known and through him at all times and in all places may give thanks to you in all things. We pray this in Jesus' name.